You're listening to the PFG Vibecast. And now your host, Julie Voigt and Russell Baxter. Hello again, everybody. This is Julie Voigt, and we are here again for another wonderful episode of PFG Vibecast. And with me, as always, is my wonderful co-founder here, Mr. Russell Baxter. Russ, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing terrific. It's um, always fun to be able to recap the Super Bowl at the same time. It's also the end mm-hmm. of a football season, but I don't have to tell you that you know for about 25 26 years now there's been a football offseason that never existed for a long time free agency has changed the nfl from a part-time sport to a 365 day experience with the exception of leap years <laughs> the 366 day right now are you finally going to be able to get some sleep at least um yeah i'm gonna take a day and, uh, you know, get in the power nap and so on. But, I, I mean, to me, free agency and the offseason and, uh, you know, new coaches, you know, obviously um, with the Super Bowl being over, um, it was made official that Zach Taylor um, is now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Brian Flores is now the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. All eight spots have been filled. Uh, let the fun begin. That's right. I can't wait. You know, I think I've learned along the way becoming a writer is, like you said, football is 365 days a year, and it's great. The more you extend it to me, the better. And just because the Super Bowl is finally done and over with, there's still so much more things going on. So I can't wait. Um, Just, you know, with the combine, with draft, with free agency, and then just tying all that together, it's it's pretty much like you said a whole year so i can't wait for it yeah well it's it's um and it'll, it'll go kind of fast too right yes well, you yes. know we'll have the draft and we'll be talking about you know otas and mini camps and and all that stuff um that goes along with it uh it is really a full-time business mm-hmm. we found out on super sunday no one does business better these days than the New England Patriots. Oh, that was such a game. To me, I don't, I don't know about you, but a lot of people complained about it. But to me, I thought that was a great game because, again, I know you and me both go back and forth and, you know, defense wins championships. And I think both those defenses showed their face last night. And, again, like you said, as always, that determined the Super Bowl winner. Yeah, it was it, it's beginning of the year when we were in this offensive um, display throughout the league and, you know, all the 300-yard passing games and the big-time receiving games and a 54-51 Monday night game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think there was this feeling that that was the wave of the future. And we have learned throughout the years that – There's a reason, Julie, that the NFL keeps on tweaking the rules going back about 40 years now. Mm -hmm. 
because defenses eventually catch up. And, you know, down the stretch, we saw teams playing better defense after three months of adjusting. We also saw teams that maybe weren't necessarily great defensive teams turn to the running game and control the football. Mm -hmm. The other team off the field. We certainly saw that in the postseason. Uh, all 11 teams that won, you know, 11 postseason games, won the time of possession battle, had the most rushing attempts, not necessarily the most rushing yards, but the most rushing attempts. But I don't want that to take away from what we saw New England do to the Los Angeles Rams, because even though they did win the time of possession battle, mm-hmm. different kind of effort and performance by Bill Belichick's team and Brian Flores, who had a big hand in it as well. Um, it's, it was the kind of defense that Bill Belichick really made his name early in his career, mm-hmm. especially in his days as an assistant throughout the league, um, especially in his early days as the head coach of the Patriots when they were winning the three Super Bowls in four years. Um, he's had to adjust down the line, but the game plan was simply superb um, against the second highest scoring team in the league this past season. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, I am here. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you were going to follow up on that. No, um, I have to edit that part out, so we're good. Okay. Um, and who knew? Who knew that we were going to have the lowest scoring Super Bowl? Oh, my goodness, right? Year history of the series. And, and a little nugget I dug up, um, which I thought was pretty astounding. I decided to go back and just look throughout NFL history, Julie. Mm-hmm. And um, for people who don't know, the NFL began in 1920 uh, for the first 13 seasons up until 1932. Uh-huh. The champion was not determined on the field. It was, well, it was more determined by win-loss record and winning percentage. There was no playoff. There was no postseason. That started in 1933. Okay. Uh, then from 33 uh, to 65, it was the NFL championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, there were other playoffs added. Um, but for a long time, it was just, you know, one game take all. Uh, in obviously... Things changed with the merger and the Super Bowl era. My point is this. So from 1933 until 2017, last season, mm-hmm. the lowest amount of points that had ever been scored in a winning effort in the championship game round was seven. Hmm. Back to the 1948 Philadelphia Eagles. No, I did not cover them. <laughs> Chicago Cardinals in the snow, seven to nothing in the NFC title game. Oh. Super Bowl 53 with the Patriots only scoring 13 points. And that is the also, besides it being the fewest points ever to win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. second fewest points ever to win an NFL championship. That is unbelievable. That is pretty good history right there. Um, did you ever think during the game that, you know, at once, you know, it was tied, you know, three to three, did you ever think that either team still had a chance at it or did you see something completely different? No, no, no. I, I thought they did because, um, you know, I went back to two weeks ago when the Saints and Rams played 
And I think somewhat under the radar was the fact that, and, and understandably so because of the controversy involved in the game, Julie, mm-hmm. the Rams were down 13, nothing about 13 minutes into the game. They had been outgained by 120 yards, 125 to five and falling behind 13 and nothing. Oh, okay. We mm-hmm. took over the game in terms of total yards. 373 to 165 the rest of the way. They really dominated mm-hmm. for the final three quarters. Again, controversy aside. Right. Um, so, lo and behold, they're in this game with the Patriots. You know, it's 3 nothing at the half, by the way. Second fewest points in the first half of the Super Bowl. You have to go back to Super Bowl nine when the Steelers got a safety. Mm-hmm. Beating the Vikings, 2 to nothing. Hmm. <laughs> 1974. So, I mean, this this really broke the mold. But suddenly it's 3-3. And, you know, you couldn't tell what was going to happen in the sense that did the Patriots just let the Rams hang around for them to steal the game? And then mm-hmm. some plays late. Um, but the constant theme of the day was the pressure they put on Jared Goff. He looked very uncomfortable throughout the afternoon. Um you know, they never really got their uh, ground attack going. It was, um, it was, they really stifled a very potent offense. Okay. And, um, you know, again, I'd rather give credit to the Patriots. They sacked Jared Goff four times, mm-hmm. um, shut down their running game. It's still not sure what happened with Todd Gurley in terms of availability. or right. That seems to be, that's the, the real mystery surrounding the game. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, Julian Edelman had a big game. Oh, yes, he did. Brady and Rob Gronkowski combining for arguably the biggest play of the game. Um, but it was an old school style of football that I think a lot of people were shocked at, given what we had seen throughout the season. Right. Um, and even more so to a sense, what we saw from New England. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, that Miami Dolphins game, the one they lost on the on the flute play at the end. Mm-hmm. You, you were watching the Dolphins that afternoon run through New England's defense. Right, yes. Later, a week later, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a lot of success on the ground mm-hmm. against New England's defense. But that, that's the thing about the Pats. They adjust they mm-hmm. things if they can. And I, I, you want to talk about what makes this game so incredible. Last year, the Patriots scored 33 points and lost the Super Bowl. It's huh. still the most points ever uh-huh. team to lose the Super Bowl. And in one year, they now become the team to score the fewest points to win a Super Bowl. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Just that a is- strange, strange, strange. And by the way, uh-huh. besides winning their sixth Super Bowl, uh, which ties the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of the Super Bowl era, in terms of wins, they also snapped that 46-year streak of a team um, winning a Super Bowl the year after losing the Super Bowl. You'd have 1972 mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins for, uh, for the last time it had happened. Okay. Wow, that's very interesting there. So all in all, I, I mean, like I said, in, in my opinion, I thought it was a good game. You know, it was just like waiting for that perfect moment. Anyone can take it, but I really enjoyed it. I don't know what everyone else is talking about. 
And <laughs> of course, you know, I think the MVP was well called. Julian Edelman. I, a lot of people are, again, you know, no one's ever happy, of course, but I think they got it right. What do you think? Well, I think so too. He was kind of the steadiest force on the field, at least offensively. Listen, some people would, you know, Stefan Gilmore got some, um, had some, uh, a terrific game. High praise goes to him. But to me, it was more of a total team effort mm-hmm. and it's a defense. On offense, Julian Edelman seemed like the only guy who was getting consistently open. And, uh, you know, Brady and him connected a few times. And let's remember, the game started very, very odd. You know, Patriots came out running. Brady attempts a pass, batted up in the air, picked off. Yep. Um, you know, it didn't even start necessarily great for New England. I think people were probably a little more disappointed in the flow. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's a faction of people, football fans out there, and I understand that they want 54, 51. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but they got 16 <laughs> instead. And for some people, it wasn't necessarily a sweet 16. Right. For the New England Patriots, who continue to prove, um, you know, year after year, they can find just about any style of football to play to win a championship. It's now three championships in five years for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, hail to the victors. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of sentiment around from some people about, um, you know, the Patriots, who's going to stop them? Can you slow them down? Um, no one seems that anxious, uh, you know, to get the job done or maybe not qualified. Um, you know, this run is unprecedented, um, especially in this era of free agency where the personnel is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You look in a hole at Tom Brady's numbers in the three postseason games. He really took a back seat um, in terms of statistics uh, to the running game um, because that's what it was going to take. Uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny in a way, Julie. I'll, I'll sum it up by this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you hear a lot when it comes to the Patriots is almost this mocking sense with some of their quote unquote cliches, you know, do your job. It's on to blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason they've been as good as long as they have is they do go on and they do do their job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe people need to do their jobs better if they're going to knock this team off. I agree. Completely agree with you on that. Well, Besides the game, um, now let's go ahead and move on to some honors that were given out on Saturday night. Now, I know some were a little bit obvious, um, others um, just pretty much, you know, I think they got it all all right. You know, I'm not going to go on and say, (laughs) yes, that, you know, so-and-so didn't deserve this. I think they got this pretty right. And with me, I'm actually, I had a question. Um, so we know that Patrick Mahomes got MVP, and then he also got his Offensive Player of the Year. Has there ever been any player that won multiple awards in the same year? Oh, yeah. It, is ha- it has happened before, and it's been those two awards. Not off the top of my head can I mean name okay. an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen examples of teammates splitting the awards. You know, I think I want to say in 1999, off the top of my head, Kurt Warner was the MVP. Marshall Falk was the Offensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. But when you have such a dominating year like 
that Patrick Mahomes had. Yes. Nor him not getting both. And, you know, I was one of those people that I thought for a long time, Julie, mm-hmm. that Patrick Mahomes would certainly be the offensive player of the year. Okay. I had the sense that maybe Drew Brees would be the league MVP. As it turned out, of the 50 votes, Mahomes got 41. Drew Brees got the other nine. No one else got an, an MVP vote. Um, but I, my mind changed with a certain play um, or maybe even two plays mm-hmm. at Kansas City when they faced the Baltimore Ravens. And Patrick Mahomes rolled to his right and threw the ball way across the field to Tyree Kill on fourth down. A couple plays later, another fourth down touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that kind of swing the balance of power in terms of the voting. Remember, this is a vote of the Associated Press um, 50 members. It's not a popularity contest. It's not online voting like the Pro Bowl and all that. Right. Um, so I think richly deserved. Aaron Donald, richly deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year, I know some people might say Baker Mayfield. Uh, Saquon Barkley was pretty special. Oh, yes, he was. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Maybe other kids. A lot of people talked up Derwin James, the safety um, of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. But how can you ignore what Darius Leonard did mm-hmm. in the Annapolis Colts? Oh, yeah. Uh, Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson changed the mindset of the Colts' offense in terms of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Darius Leonard, along with Matt Eberfluss, the defensive coordinator, changed the mindset and what the Colts' defense could do. So, I mean, when you take all that into account, and, and just throwing them out there, Vic Fangio was the assistant coach of the year uh, for the Bears. Uh, mm-hmm. Nagy was the, um, you know, coach of the year for the Bears. Um, Fangio is now the newest head coach of the Denver Broncos. And we've seen that before. The assistant coach of the year goes on. Just, remember, keep in mind, Julie, the assistant coach of the year has only been in the award for about four or five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Something AP gave out uh, for a long time. But, I, I, again, I thought the honors were all richly deserved. You know, Aaron Donald dominated, I think – um, I think Khalil Mack might have been the only other person to get defensive player of the year votes. Yeah. And last but not least, I'll, I'll let you talk about um, a player that didn't play at all in 2017 and epitomized comeback player of the year. No, he did not play. And then, of course, he started up in the season, you know, and a lot of people doubted him. But look what this young man, I'm going to call him a young man, even though I know mm-hmm. he's been in the league for quite a while. Mr. Andrew Luck. I cannot stress how much I love this guy. And he is just a well-rounded player, very intelligent on and off the field. I mean, is he like the bionic man or (laughs) what is going on? He well deserved it. And I'm so glad that hopefully this will prove that, hey, you know what? He's a real deal now. And next season, you better watch it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, you know, you, you look at the beginning of the season for Andrew Luck um, after not playing. And we saw this with a, a, a number of players. Um, you know, Andrew Luck didn't play football for a year. Carson Wentz got hurt in December. Deshaun Watson got hurt in November. 
these guys, the rust was very, very obvious mm-hmm. in the season, especially, you know, I, I think about Andrew Luck, and, and you'll recall this. Um, in, I remember they were one in five. Uh, he seemed like he was still a little tentative early in the season. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Strength, still not 100% sure, so much so that in a game at Philadelphia in week three, with a, with a last-second Hail Mary pass, Mm-hmm. It was not Andrew Luck who was percent. Exactly. As time wore on, you saw the velocity change and increase with Andrew Luck. And in fact, probably more velocity that I've seen from him during his career uh, wound up with 39 touchdown passes. Um, changed, helped change that team who went on an amazing run after a one and five start. Um, yeah, richly deserved. And again, so many good candidates, uh, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, right. the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any question about, uh, you know, what luck accomplished um, on a team that was kind of broke the mold of the recent Colts team. Yes. The Colts have all be, mostly been known for offense. Um, even when Peyton Manning was there the last few years, defense was always a question mark. Exactly. Frank Reich turned that into a very, very physical football team and one that's going to be fascinating to watch in 2019. Oh, I cannot agree anymore with that. I, I, I simply, you know, I said it in our last podcast, it was just an amazing season all around. And I think next season is just going to be great for everyone. So let, let's just hope, you know, let's keep on going and amazing things are going to keep happening. So that's pretty much all that I have. Do you want to say anything else? No. Um, <laughs> that was short and sweet. <laughs> yes. And that, that's the theme of our podcast for people who are listening out there. Um, you know, we don't necessarily want to talk your ear off for 45, 50 minutes. We want to kind of sum things up rather quickly and, and do it with, a, with an entertaining style and have some fun. And, um, you know, so far so good because I know I'm having fun. Uh, talking with my co-founder. Um, I will have to put in the shameful plug, as I like to call them. If you like what you hear, please listen. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter, PFG Vibe. You can follow Julie at Julie Noted underscore PFG. You can follow me at Bax Football Guru. You can find the Vibecast also on profootballguru.com. You can find PFG Vibe in the pieces that Julie and I collaborate on, on profootballguru.com as well. And let's make it clear, we are not going anywhere. We will be around all off season. So stick around with us. I'm sure, you know, if you can find something, you'll definitely find it on profootballguru.com. Am I correct? Absolutely. Um, You know, when we mentioned at the beginning of the year, talking football 365 and then of course, 366 during the leap year next year. Um, we're not kidding. Uh, just getting warmed up. We have eight new head coaches. We have a lot of coordinator changes. We already have teams uh, making decisions um, about 2019. We already have players making decisions about 2019. Um, Want to give a shout out and a congratulations to a fabulous career for one Mr. Julius Peppers, who is retiring after 17 seasons. Um, you know, you look at the numbers, the second overall pick in 2002, quite the career playing various positions, 
one of the most athletic defensive linemen slash outside linebackers um, in this game's history. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up in, uh, in terms of Canton. And by the way, Julie, yes, let's not forget, we also saw eight new members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is correct. And Saturday. Yes. Um, you know, including three first-time eligibles in Champ Bailey and Ed Reed and Tony Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, listen, it's a ways down the road. Uh, but I can already assure you that PFG Vibe will be in Canton, Ohio for the induction ceremonies in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game this year. That sounds like a plan to me. I'm ready. Oh, good. Well, you can drive then. So. Oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. You want my driving record first, right? <laughs> oh, it, well, is it Hall of Fame worthy? Um, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it okay. surely is. It surely Absolutely. is. <laughs> well, listen, everyone. I hope you enjoyed um, our second edition of the PFG Livecast. Um, I'm Russell Baxter uh, for Julie Voigt. Um, have a great evening. Uh, hope you like what you're hearing. And uh, please support us. Thanks very much. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.